Okay, I, it's a little confusing. I see the difficulty here. I see this isn't going as smoothly as we thought it would. A little bit complex. I get that. <laughs> All right, way to go. Do you feel off right now? Does this just feel weird? Yeah. Isn't that strange? Uh, room dynamics are a thing, are they not? So now, now I have to give you about 60 seconds just to acclimate. All right, so look around the room. Same people seated nearby you, but it just feels different now. It just feels different. All right, how are they doing? Okay, good to see them. Okay, you're still right there. Okay, good. Everybody feel good now? You ready for this? Do you feel like that had any kind of positive effect whatsoever? How many of you think it had a negative effect? You're like, no, now I'm really messed up and I can't even listen to you. Like, you should not have done that. All right, I don't know if it worked or not, but we're just going to jump into it. I will be building a little bit on what I talked about in the last session. So if you did not hear the last session, you can steal some notes from a friend or just ask the Holy Spirit to impart it to you. That's probably the easiest way. He can just give it to you and you just pick up and run with it. Um, or... Uh, it's being recorded somewhere for something that at some point you could listen to. Probably in a couple of weeks you could find it somewhere. So we're asked Kirby and he could tell you how to. So at the end, I told you we would start with Q&A. So I will open it up for Q&A that could be related to the last session. Or for the benefit of people who weren't here anyway, you can just make up a question that's totally unrelated, all right? If it has to do with missionettes, Kirby will answer it, all right? If it has to do with youth ministry, I'll try. And if neither of us can answer it, my daughter Candace is here and she can answer anything, all right? So we should be able to tack, uh, tackle whatever it is. So I'll give you just a minute. If you had anything that was a little confusing, <laughs> a little uh, unclear the last one that you need us to clean up a little bit, or if you want us to get a little more practical or contextualize it to something that you're leading through at your ministry. We'll take just a moment to do that before I jump into uh, the next layer of information for this. Any questions? Love it. Well, thanks for what you do. First and foremost, can we just thank God and celebrate it? Come and put your hands together. Missionary to Ukraine. Thanks for that. And thanks for investing in people, too, encouraging them to read the word. Yes? Okay, very good. So in the last session, one of the points was how you can get a first down in youth ministry is by ministering to the family. And I read a stat that I can't remember right now, but it was really awesome. And it was, I think it was like like 140% of something does something. I can't remember what it was. But anyway, uh, if you want to be effective in ministering to a student is to give thought to how you're ministering to the family. And in particular, when you have a father who's actively living out their faith and growing in their faith, uh, does anybody remember the stat? Like I could look at 93%. Uh, what happens to those 93%? What was, the rest, what was the rest of the stat? 
and then 60% will fall away if their father is not, which I don't know how those match up, but they did. It did somehow in that session. The point being, back to your question, is like, so what do you do, though, if you're going to say, I do have a plan or I'd like to have a plan to target the family or um, the the dad? I want to take just a second and pull something up for you because I think I have a couple of resources that may help, and I'll still try and take a swing at that answer, but... Uh, this is going to be just probably an awkward like 30 to 45 seconds right here. But I think, I think it will be worth it. If not, um, I'll really never know unless you just tell me. But oh, I hope I can find this. Um, I don't know how to do a search. All right, so what I'll do is afterwards, after the session, I have uh, three or four websites that I'd like to share with you that give you strategies for and resources for how to minister to a family, like how in youth ministry to connect with a family. So after the session is over, we can come up and talk. I would say one of the most practical things that you could do that most of us, this would be a game changer, is just the awareness of and the thought of what am I doing to intentionally connect with a family? Because for most of us, the answer is nothing or very, very little. So just the starting point being when I'm thinking about my youth ministry strategy, is the family even a part of it? And then if if we do say, yes, I want that to be a part of my strategy, what would I do? Think as, as uh, small steps as possible. One would be, do I know them? Like, have you interacted with them? So are you getting to know mom or dad or guardian, grandparent, whoever it would be? Have you at least opened a line of communication? Have you begun a relationship? And then from there, I would say the communication piece being a communication system or approach, uh, whatever you do to say, how will I keep information flowing? So it could be that you encourage them to become a part of a, a, um, a Facebook page or some type of social media account to where they can stay looped in and connected to what's going on in the student ministry. It could be something like a weekly email uh, blast that you send out to parents. It could be something like that. Uh, could be more of a monthly approach to where you have some type of communication piece. Don't overcomplicate what you're trying to, to communicate to them. It would be, for one, keeping them in the loop of even what you're doing. Here are some of the upcoming messages that we're going to be sharing on. Here are a few questions you may ask your teenager regarding this. Like you're just arming them up. So we're talking on... Um, uh, let's take the example of trying to encourage them to read the Word of God. We're going to be in a series on talking about the Word of God. Here are four scriptures that you could use or questions that you could ask to follow up with your son or daughter. So what you're doing is that you're just helping someone who may be very intimidated to be the priest of his home. That just sounds scary. Like, I don't want to be a priest, you know, or something like that. Or you're going to be a spiritual leader. You know, I don't consider myself a spiritual leader. And you're just putting the cookies on the bottom shelf going, it's really not that hard. It means that you would take time just to talk about what you learned at youth service the other night. Here are some questions that you would ask. So I'd say, one, being aware of, I need to have a strategy that targets the family. Two, do we even have a relationship to where I've made an effort to, hey, they're dropping them off. Let me just wave and say hi. Hey, I just want to introduce myself. Thanks so much for letting Johnny come. We love it when he's here. Just wanted you to know I pray for you and your family, so I'm starting relationship. And then in addition to that, invite them and others to follow on some social media communication piece or to sign up for an email blast. Use these websites that I'll give you in just a little bit. Just resource them because most parents want to. 
A lot just don't know how to reinforce. They wouldn't be letting their students come, at least, you know, uh, allowing them to come if they weren't okay with that. So now you're so resourcing them to just be able to continue it and sustain it. Does that help just a little bit? All right, so after uh, session, I'll give you those resources. Any other question on that topic or otherwise? Yes. Yeah, yeah, strategy, yeah, NyQuil, Benadryl, yeah. Benadryl, yeah, hey, Cam, bedtime snack. Sorry. No, I'm sorry, I'm just not hearing when you're... No, I'm going to stop and actually listen to your question like a courteous speaker would do when he asks for people to ask a question, so... That's true. That's really, really good. So I would probably encourage you to zoom out and see kind of like um, recognize that there are seasons in ministry and recognize that there are ebbs and flows like on a, on a calendar. So I get it that on a Wednesday night, I'm going to be up a little later than I normally would be. So as I zoom out and just say, so let me make sure that I order up my world as much as possible to where Thursday morning I'm not just up at the crack of dawn with something that's critically important. So to the best of my ability, try and accommodate that. Now, if you're in school or if you've got work and you're like, hey, I'm bivocational and come Monday morning, like I'm back at wherever by 7.30 or 8. Then I'm going by Thursday night, I know what I'm going to be feeling and what I'll be carrying. So I'm zooming out from the calendar, recognizing that there will be moments on this calendar that it is what it is. Like it's going to be a sprint or there's a week at camp. So how am I leading myself the week before camp, and what am I planning to do the week uh, after camp when I return? And those were just things that what I was acknowledging last session, I never thought about that stuff as a young youth pastor. I just was like full throttle and just like, whoa, but just kept running into brick walls, you know, just going, man, youth ministry is hard. It's like, or I could grow a brain, you know, and be like, if I'm sleepy, take a nap, you know, or get to bed early. So I would just say, to your great question, by zooming out and recognizing there are some spots that I know it's going to take more out of me than normal. So how can I manage my overall pace in a way to where that sprint does not translate into a crash and burn? So I think that there, there's the, the um, energy management, you know, of just like how much can, some of us are introverts, and so the, this is real. Like for me, it's real. For Candace, we're introverts, so... Uh, uh, a little bit of people interaction and, and stimulation goes a long ways. And so after a little while, I just like start twitching, you know, like, ah, I love people. I just wish y'all were somewhere else, you know, right now for a few minutes. And I've got uh, six kids. So even when I come home from being at the ministry, I've got to be in a position to where I don't see them as the enemy, you know, just like get away from me. I've been around people all day. They're like, you haven't been with me today. So it causes me just to step back and go, how do I handle the emotional load, the mental load, the energy load? In, in the big picture of things. And I don't think, this is my opinion, I don't think that there's such thing as perfect balance to where you should become rigid or legalistic on. And that's why I'm at five o'clock, you know, this is done. I don't take any, and I don't do that. I think if you do that, you've boxed yourself into where now anything that's over and above, we start to resent it 
or get mad at it. Student, you know, texted and they need, don't they know it's eight o'clock at night? You know, if you have crisis, you will do it during business hours, you know, or <laughs> like you're going to be frustrated if that's our mindset. Um, so I would say it's just more of a, of a dance, you know, of a, of a, of a little bit of a, a flow to where you go, okay, I had to give a little extra right here. I'm going to need to pay attention to get a little more rest right here. Does that make sense? Does that help a little bit? And does that answer specifically enough for this part? Great. Somebody else had a question? And then we'll go. Yeah, man. I know exactly what you're talking about. Not that I was ever the cool youth pastor, but that I tried to be. And, uh, all right, so I'll tell you a quick story of my little growth process through that. So we had a couple of uh, whatever you call them, EGRs, you know, extra grace required or, you know, uh, knuckleheads, you know, whatever. Like we, we, had, we had a couple of knuckleheads in small groups. So, man, it's when you jump up and down in a small boat. You know, it rocks, right? And so we had a smaller youth ministry, so it didn't take much just to, like, wreck a moment, you know, or whatever. And so, um, man, there's this one kid. I just tried, and I just tried, and I just kept, come on, man. Hey, please, dude. Hey, I just trying and trying and trying. And we were at a retreat, and God was moving, and he was still just, like, disrupting and, and distracting others from even hearing it. And, and so... Um, I talked to him afterwards, and so I don't know if I, this is going to come out wrong. I don't know if there's a right way for this to come out. I, I told him that he could go to hell, but let me explain what I said, how I said it. <laughs> because that was the approach I actually took. Um, but but uh, he loves Jesus today. Let me tell that part, okay, before I, I should have started with that maybe. But I, I just told him, I said, man, it's, it's really obvious to me that you just don't want to have anything to do with Jesus, that you're determined to go to hell. And I want you to know that is possible. Like, you can go to hell. So I think that was a little, you don't typically expect your youth pastor to tell you to go to hell. You know, so I think he's kind of like, what are you talking about? And so I was like, but the cool thing, man, you don't have to. You don't have to do that. But here's what I'm telling you. If you're determined to go, I'm not going to allow you to take other people with you. And man, you're just you're disrupting what I've given my life to, and that is it's changed me. He's helped me, and I'm just spending my life. And man, you're up here, and you're just detracting from that. And so I get it if you don't want to love God, but would you just like out of courtesy, please stop, like saying I'm going to take out. So I think it was a little bit of this wake up call of, oh, I'm a tool of Satan, you know, type thing. Like, oh man, am I? And I don't know that it always plays out like this, but he gave his heart to the Lord. He's living for God today. I think there are practical things that, that we can do as well to where you don't want to be the big heavy, but you just, you maybe lean in and try to not major on the minors and try and celebrate the wins and connect where you can type things. Uh, but at the same time, never allow anybody to hijack the culture of your student ministry. Like, so you just... You, it's like, this isn't a wrestling match. It's not, I'm not going to fight you for it. 
And uh, there's only one student in 20 years of student ministry, only one student that I ever met with him and his parents and said, one more time, and you can't come. The only reason I did that was because he just wouldn't respond to authority. And I thought, if, if you won't respond to us after all these chances, then you're, you're in control because you, I have no expectation of you doing anything that we're asking so I had to meet with, with him and his parents. That dude is so on fire for God, just preached at his church a couple of weeks ago. He's in full-time ministry, so don't give up on them. So you don't have to either give up or, you know, let them just say, no, you, you, can, you can love them, connect with them. You, you, you track with what I'm saying, but then believe that God can touch their hearts. But don't allow anybody who's determined to go to hell to take your youth group with them. Like that, that, they, are, they are not the youth leader, the influencer. You know, you, by the grace of God, can appeal to them and then limit the uh, negative influence that they could have. Kirby, is there anything that you're thinking of that might help on that to add to that or anything? Because that's a, okay. Yeah, and, and you want them to bring their friends. Yeah. Yeah. But I would still take a similar approach on, man, I've, I was so hoping you'd come. I was looking for you again this week. And just still that same type thing. We'd love to have you. Love you. But if you don't want to come, it's cool. Like, I wish that you would, but if you don't, it's cool. But I, I can't have you come in here and like what you did, man, that's not cool. That's not cool. He can't do that. And if, if he's about our school or sports teams, he gets it. You know, he understands. Like, you wouldn't do like that with your coach. You know, we're not going to. So hopefully that helps just a little bit. All right, anybody else before we jump into our thoughts for this one? Okay, I may recap just a little bit for the sake of those who weren't here, but I, I just think that it's really important that we recognize that in student ministry, a lot of times we sensationalize the big wow moments, but we underestimate the significance of steps. You can take steps. Tell the person next to you right now, you can take steps. Even if they're baby steps, you can take steps. Tell, tell the other person on the other side, you're cool, but you can be even cooler. Go ahead and tell them that. You're cool, but you can even be cooler. Splash is often overrated. Steps are often underrated. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 21. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 21 says, Quick wealth is not a blessing in the end. Quick wealth is not a blessing in the end. How many of you remember that show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Anybody remember that? Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Which is a hilarious question, isn't it? Who wants to be a millionaire? Not me. You know, like that's, that's kind of a, a weird way to, to title it, but everybody does to the tune of this. Americans spend approximately, check this out. Uh, I didn't realize it was this much until I looked it up for the sake of an illustration. But Americans spend approximately 70 billion, billion, 70 billion dollars on lottery tickets. Americans, 70 billion. It's like it is just in our sin nature, I would say, that it's just like, cash it in. It's that full court shot that I was talking about. I was just like, all or nothing. You know, we're just swinging. And unfortunately, that's the way a lot of us lead youth ministry. It's like, all, and it's working. Everybody's going to say, all the parents love me. Senior pastor thinks I'm God's gift to the church. Or, I just want to quit. I just want out of this thing. It's not working. I'm not making a difference. Or, we could step back and say, 
I'm taking steps. I'm making progress. And I recognize the value of just moving in the right direction. So I thought about this as a dad, and this is an idea, Kirby, I wish I'd have had it years ago as well and, and done it with all of my kids. But, but I thought about this whenever I had my, my, uh, my sixth child. But when Jordan was born, I, I came up with this idea that I would teach him about finances and the power of consistency and discipline and just doing the right thing, small steps in the right direction by putting $100 a month beginning at his birth into investments. And I'm doing it because he's still seven right now. So I'm taking a little bit from him from time to time, like birthday money, like tithe, say little investment. Who's your daddy? You know, and I get that. He doesn't know what I'm doing with it, but I'm putting it in an account. And so if things continue on at a 10% return, then when he's ready to retire, he will have $8.6 million for retirement. Well, that's before I take out my agent fees. But anyway, you, you get the point of what I'm wanting to do along the way is when he turns 21, wherever it is at that point, I'm going to be able to write a check and hand it to him and say, this is something that I started with the day that you were born because I wanted to teach you a powerful truth. Just doing a little bit consistently. And here's what it is today. So now you can take that, you can go blow it on whatever car you'd want to get, or you're some type of possession, or you can leave this in. And when you get ready to retire, you could potentially have 8.6 million dollars. Now I'm really praying if I parented the rest of the part correctly, you know, I'm hoping he'll go, I'll take the car. You know, I'm hoping that he'll say, I want to leave it in. But what I'm hoping that his bigger takeaway is, you know what, if I pay attention to the little things, it's going to make a difference in the big things in life. Can I just encourage you? I know some of you weren't in the last session, but I'm going to take two thoughts. We're going to go deeper on one is I just want to take steps to be a better leader, a better me. And I want to lead a more effective student ministry. So those are the two things we're going to look at. And I'm going to go a little deeper on each of them. The first thing is just to be a better leader. I want to be my best. I want to be better in 2022 than I was as a leader in 2021. But here's what I understand. If I'm going to grow and be my best, I need your help. I can't be my best self by myself. Can you let that sink in for just a moment? Because there are going to be some movement pieces, some action steps that you'll have to take if that's actually a conviction of yours. I can't be my best self by myself. I need you and you need me. I need people speaking into my life because all of us have a me that we can't see. There's a difference in having a blind spot and a blind mind. Tell the person next to you right now, you got some blind spots. Go ahead, tell them that. You've got some blind spots. Because we all do. Every single one of us. You have, like for real, like this sounds funny, but it's true. You've got issues. The person next to you, they've got major issues. Like, did you know that? Like, we've got issues. How many of you know we have insecurities? Are you too insecure to acknowledge it? Come on, just wave at me. Like, that was a joke. You're insecure. We all have insecurities. But what I do with that and how I respond to that is going to either help me to move beyond me or stay trapped with my issues and my insecurities. I need you. 
I need you to point it out when I'm straying or when I'm off track or when there's something that I can't see. So I'm going to encourage you to be open to feedback, and I want to give you some very practical ways on how to actually benefit from helpful feedback. If you're taking notes, these are just some thoughts on how to truly benefit from feedback. Number one, don't wait for it, ask for it. How to truly benefit from feedback. I want to be a better me, so that means I need you. And if I'm going to be better, I need you to speak to me. But if I'm going to have you speaking to me, I don't want to wait for it. I want to ask for it. The easier you make it for someone to give you feedback, the more likely and the more helpful it will be when they do. The easier you make it for somebody to give you feedback, the more likely it's going to be helpful and you will actually benefit from it. Listen, if no one is rebuking you ever, it's not because you're batting a thousand but more likely that you're too consumed with pride for anyone to even dare to take the risk to invest in you in that kind of a way. How easy have you made it for people like, well, I think that I've made it pretty easy. Well, that's typically measured by how freely. Now, if you're around just somebody who just has the gift of critical spirit, like if you, and sometimes we have people around us, right? Their spiritual gift is to find something wrong about you and tell you repeatedly. I'm not talking about that, but you cannot shut down every other voice in your life because of someone who does not know how to use it appropriately. But Proverbs says, rebuke a fool and he'll despise you, but rebuke or correct a wise man and he'll be wise wiser still. In other words, if I'm foolish and somebody tries to speak into my life, I despise that. But if I'm wise and somebody cares enough to say, hey, heads up, didn't know if you realize this or not, but I want to mention it in case it helps you. I'm like, thank you for loving me enough. You just made me wiser. Blind spot means I couldn't see it. But you pointed out blind mind is when you show it to me, I refuse to accept it. Do you have blind spots? We all do. Do you have a blind mind? That's your call. So if somebody's speaking into my life, am I actually listening? James says it this way, God opposes the proud, but what? But he gives grace to the humble. You know that word oppose is like a military term? And so it's this picture of this. God is against. He is opposing. He's in opposition to someone who is full of pride, someone who's walking in arrogance, someone who's a know-it-all. Somebody feels like they have it all figured out. Somebody believes they're all that, right? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Have you ever had, let me just see by a show of hands, how many of you guys have ever had like a bad day? Wave at me. You ever had a bad day? Anybody had a bad week? Anybody have a You ever had something to where it was a bad day, a bad week, and it seemed like everything was just against you the red light you know was demon possessed the traffic you were in a hurry but everybody was determined to get in front of you you know you you you, you spill the coffee like every you just felt like the world was against you sometimes in youth ministry we're trying to get some mojo going we're trying to get students to come it feels like the parents are bickering the students didn't appreciate what I did the pastor's upset when it just feels like everything is against me can I suggest to you it may be worse than you think it may be that all of heaven is against you. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Could it be that there are times in my life that ministry is harder than it ought to be simply because of the posture of my heart? That it could have been a lot easier if I'd have just, hey, am I missing something over here? And somebody's like, yes, you're trying to run through a brick wall, but there's a door right there. Ah. 
Thanks, man. Helpful. Very, very helpful. But we're not willing to ask. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 1 says, A man who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. Listen to Proverbs chapter 26, verse 12. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? Don't point at him if they're in here. Don't do that. But do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Do you see somebody wise in their own eyes? Oh, man, there's more hope for a fool than that guy. Oh, man. Do you see somebody who they don't like correction? They don't invite uh, feedback? They're not asking for people? There's more hope for a fool than for that youth pastor. God help me because there are times that I am that youth pastor. I want to grow to be more teachable, more open. So here's some sample questions that you could ask if you're wanting people to speak into your life. One, where do you see me winning and where could I grow? Where do you see me winning and where could I grow? Did you know that there are a lot of youth pastors, a lot of youth leaders, youth workers who feel like they're winning in an area and they're the only ones who feel like they're winning in that area because the students and the leaders and the parents are looking at it going, man, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know why they're doing that. I don't know why they made that decision. And you're over there celebrating good times, come on. And you're just thinking like confetti should be flying, but you're wondering why everybody else isn't shouting you down. And it might be good just to say to your pastor, hey, pastor, where do you feel like we're just, man, we're, we're hitting the mark these days? Could you speak into that a little bit? Or asking parents, what do you feel like is most helpful with what we're doing right now in student ministry? What seems to be having the greatest impact? Or asking the students, hey, what is it that seems to be just causing this to be a great experience for you to come to our student ministry? And the scary reality is you will be surprised at some of the answers. You will. If you've never done that before, try it. I guarantee you, you will be surprised at some of the answers. And then if you dare to do it, ask your lead pastor. Ask a few trusted voice, voices. Where do you feel like I could grow as a leader? What can I do better? Here's a second question. <laughs> I double dog dare you to ask somebody this. Do you feel like I have strong self-awareness? If you're convinced that you do, you might be the one that lacks it the most. Because part of growing in self-awareness, just meaning like I know how I come off to people. I know what people think when I walk into a room. I know the difference in somebody's laughing with me or laughing at me. I know when somebody's being nice or they're really interested. And for some personalities, that's a little more intuitive. But for all of us, it's a great move to ask a trusted voice and say, how do, how do you feel like I'm hitting a room? How, did, how was my tone? You ever met, met somebody that they just walk in mad? They just look angry? Do you know anybody like that? Do you know anybody like that? Do you know anybody? Do you know people? 
I'm looking for some type of response just to make sure that you're awake. You know, people, <laughs> I have buddies, one of my best friends, he's just this tough dude. He's just kind of got this, this look going on, but it's always just a scrum. I mean, he's just, he's just like, hey. That means, translated, I love you, so great to see you. But if you don't know him, you think he's ticked. You think he's angry, just mad and, and coming in. But it's just such a funny thing through the process of discovery just to be like, hey, man, if, if you ever smile, it won't hurt, I promise. Just try it. Just try it every now and then. And his discovery of just going, okay, the way I'm coming across, the way I see me in a mirror is not the way everybody else sees me. Is that possible for you? Or do you actually think everybody in the world sees you the way that you see you? Probably not. And that's going to affect your influence. And now we're out here working double time trying to connect with students instead of just going, am I self-aware enough to even know what my role is and how it's coming across? Number three, here's a question to ask people that are working with you. Am I a team player? Am I a team player? Do people feel like that you're, you always take the credit and then you pass the blame? Or do you share the credit and accept the blame when something doesn't go well? Am I a team player? Number four, am I an encourager? We talked about that last session. Perhaps you consider yourself to be an encourager and you're entitled to that opinion. But does anybody else share that opinion? Does anybody else go on a list of things that I would circle when I think of you? Encourager. Does anybody circle that one? Number five, here's one. How would you describe my body language in meetings? You perhaps have never even thought about that when you're in a meeting. But have you ever noticed when you're in a meeting somebody else in the room that seemed totally disengaged? Raise your hand if you have. Like, I'm serious. I'm just curious if, if this is connecting right now. You've been in a meeting, and there's somebody in the meeting, arms are folded, not making eye, eye contact with the speaker, looking around. Every now and then, maybe something like that. And you're going, bro, you didn't say anything, but you're saying a lot, right? Isn't that what we would say? So the question is, do you even know how you're viewed anytime there's a small group or anytime there's a team meeting, anytime, and there's somebody up front and they're casting vision, they're sharing something, like are you doing anything to that room that causes it to be contagious and causes the room to lean in? Or are you dead weight that whoever's speaking and leading is going, oh my word, this is hard, do you even think about stuff like that? Because it makes a difference on just how effective you are as a leader. Because every room you walk in, you're dropping the temperature or you're raising it. A team's enthusiasm, a team's faith. When youth leader gets up, starts talking about speed the light and raising money, your amen or your lean in causes somebody else to be like, me too. Or somebody else to be like, maybe, maybe not. But do you even know what kind of vibe you're putting off? Number six, are there any patterns of grammatical errors in my writing or in my speaking? Talked about that a little bit that last session. Some of y'all are using some of the same grammatical errors over and over and you don't know it. Now you're like, why are you being so like nitpicky on this? Because I wanted to be so practical for you to know that your goal is not perfection as a leader, it's improvement. And improvement is attainable for all of us. It's within reach if I'm willing to take small steps just to grow. 
I remember when my senior pastor told me early on in ministry, I'm from Jackson, Mississippi, before moving to Charlotte, North Carolina, before moving to Springfield, Missouri, and now I live in Oklahoma City. So when I was in Missouri and in my first ministry position, I had just been recently moved there from uh, Jackson, Mississippi. And my senior pastor told me, he said, uh, hey, that southern accent is really going to limit you in audiences that you can speak to and connect with. Well, first, I was offended because, number one, I knew that heaven talked with a southern accent, so I knew that. And number two, I took pride in my southern heritage, so if I was saying fixing and y'all and come on with somebody, you know, if I was talking like that, I just thought that that was normal and everybody else was weird. And so whenever he said that to me, at first it's just even a little bit offensive, but then beyond being offended, I disagreed. I thought, well, if somebody's not able to get the content of what I'm sharing all because of my accent, that's their problem. And anytime I do that, I've given away my success because I'm not owning the outcome. I'm putting that everywhere else. That's on everybody else. Instead of going, as the communicator, what can I do to remove any obstacles? So I'm just saying those are the little kinds of things that if you pay attention to, it's going to make a difference. So what are my blind spots in your opinion? Seventh and final question. If you just were to say to a friend, hey, if I had some blind spots in my life, what would they be? And just see what they say. Next thing that I would say, uh, I don't even know if these are important. Yeah, point number one was don't wait for it, ask for it. Here would be the second thing. Listen to understand, not defend. Listen to understand, not defend. Listen, you can defend your deficiencies or you can deal with them, but you can't do both. You can defend your deficiencies and make excuses all day long or you can deal with them, but you can't do both. Anybody ever read the book before um, Extreme Ownership? Anybody read that book before? So a couple of you, that's probably a great one just to write down uh, as a leader for you to check out, Extreme Ownership, and it just talks about your willingness to accept responsibility so that you can make a difference rather than making excuses because you can't do both. Learn to be a great listener, and you just got to step in the right direction of being a great leader. If you want to be a great leader, but you're not willing to be a great listener, you got your work cut out for you. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 2 says, A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. We've all been in conversations before to where somebody was just so intent on making their point or telling their story to where you probably just came to a point where you're like, just, just go right ahead. I thought we were having a conversation, but really you're just needing to share something. You're needing to get that. So I just want to listen or, or maybe even talking with leaders and instead of like be a good question asker and be a great listener. Like, that's one of the smartest things. You, you'll be the one that walks away smarter, but you cannot talk and get smarter at the same time. But you can listen and get smarter. I was with a young youth leader. He was just fresh into it. Like, he was, he was like, uh, I don't know how new, very, very new, very extremely, totally, completely. He was young. He was, he's into, he had just started. And, and, and I remember he wanted to talk about outreach, like and how to do outreach for, for students and student ministry. And he did not ask to meet with me, actually. His senior pastor 
had asked for me to meet with him. So that's always in a, a different dynamic, right? And so I'm, I'm meeting with this young youth leader, fresh into it, new, newly into it, just started. And he says, um, he, wa- he was going to be asking about outreach. But before I could answer, he started telling me about what they were doing. And it was cool because he was really proud of what he was doing. Like it was cool. Like it was kind of his moment to be like, man, we had a big night the other night. This was so awesome. We had all these students come. It was so great. And he's just going on and on. We had limited time, but he was just wanting to tell me about it. So I was just listening to him. And as he's telling the story, he's like, it's this deal, and we call it One Big Party. It's this cool thing. So what we do, and he started telling me all about this thing called One Big Party. And so I was just listening to him, listening to him. But what I did not interrupt to tell him is that about 17 years ago, our student ministry created one big party like we start we launched the outreach called one big party and then it came this scalable thing that other ministries started using it was really cool but I just thought if he had any idea as a young youth leader right now that I could give him a lot of context behind it a lot of bad mistakes that we made along the way lessons learned it could save him a ton of headache and hassle But then I thought, how many times have I personally done that when I've been in a different conversation? And I'm going, let me just tell you some really, really cool things instead of listening, stopping, asking questions. So if you want to take a step, one of the coolest things that you can do is just listen. And when you do, don't look to defend, but instead look to understand what is it that they're trying to show you. And don't throw the lesson out just because you don't appreciate the delivery. It's possible for you to learn from a youth leader who has less time in youth ministry than you. Maybe even a smaller ministry than you. We can learn from anybody. And that's one of the cool things that this district does, that Kirby and the team do, that Mark Dean would do, is that there is such a humility, and yet you guys are leading the nation. It's so cool to me. Anytime I'm here, I don't get any vibe from Kirby of, man, we're the greatest, we're the best, everybody just needs to listen. You know what his heart is? Hey, we've learned some things, we've tried some things, and you're welcome to come and steal and rip off and do anything. We'll tell you what worked and what didn't work. There's a humility there. But when there's that kind of heart, there's no wonder why he's leading at the level he's leading at today. You can't get where somebody like Kirby is without taking the steps that they've taken. And one of the things would be just to listen and to learn. Number three would be to ask clarifying questions. I know this is nitty gritty. I know that this is just baby steps towards first downs, but I think it will help you if one or two of these things resonate with you. Ask clarifying questions. Things like, can you give me an example of how I've done that in the past? Some of they say something like, well, it just seems like you, and fill in the blank, A, B, and C. Oh, great, thanks for sharing that. Can you give me an example so that I can connect the dots so I can know exactly what that would look like? That's not you going, prove it. That's a bad attitude. That's not you going, win. No, I didn't. Bad spirit. But when you go, okay, I'm trying to get my mind around that, and then maybe a follow-up clarifying question would be, what would it look like if I grew in that area? Like, What would be a better approach? And you might be surprised at some of the gold that people can share, and you may not have stumbled onto it, on your own. The fourth piece on listening for this feedback, making it beneficial, is to apply what you've learned. It's just like the Word of God. Don't be a reader only. Don't be a hearer only. The power is not in the knowing, but in the doing. And so it is for leadership effectiveness that if I actually want to benefit from the feedback, I've got to take what you're giving me and do something with it. Take a swing 
without thinking that you have to master it before you even practice it. Sometimes people may give you something that just, you're like, I don't know how to do that. I wouldn't even know where to start. It's okay. Take a swing. Take a step. Try and implement that with your leadership team. Try that approach with communicating with parents. Just try. It may not be perfect, but don't wait for it, for it to be perfect before you would practice it. Um, let, me, uh, let me look at my notes and see what I want to do here for a second. I think this is worth it. Uh, I don't know if that was number four, but this is number five right here. And it's a follow up with people and ask it if they see the change. So after you've applied it, and this is a part that most of us aren't super good at, but if you'll set a reminder on your phone or something like that and just follow up in a week or two or so and say to the people who cared enough to invest in you, say, hey, are you feel like I'm moving in the right direction? Because bummer, if they did all of that and you even tried, but you, you're misfiring and you're going a different direction. This is just a side note, but I'll say this to you. Some of the best and most honest feedback you'll ever get is when someone is leaving your ministry. Like maybe a student's moving away or a student quit coming. Um, when a student stops coming to your ministry, what's your next move? When they haven't shown up for a while, what's your next move? Well, I reached out, I called, and they said they didn't want to come anymore. So was your response bummer or did you lean in? Because the gold that is there as to why students would leave, man, we're missing it. If we're not asking for feedback, a leader who used to serve with you on the team, but they're not anymore. Do you know why? Yeah, they said that things were busy. I get that. Did you ask them to love you enough to speak honestly, to tell you why, since we're all busy? They chose this moment in time to say something else would be more of a priority. So you don't do it to make them feel guilty. But if you just take it as they said that they're busy. Then just stand right there and watch the door because you will see people come and go because you don't even know why they're leaving. When somebody is leaving, there's a great chance to say, hey, would you love me enough to speak into what I could do better as a leader? And in case a person like you ever came and joined our team again, what would cause it, them to say, I will stay here as long as I possibly can? Could you help me with that? So those would be areas on how you can grow as a leader. Point number two, I'm just going to hit a couple of quick things on this one. What about keeping on getting better in the area of your ministry? So better leader, better ministry. And on this one, I would just encourage you as a leader, whether you're the point person or not for your ministry, but work together certainly as a team, but cultivate on your team this commitment to celebrate and evaluate every aspect of your ministry. See the good in the moment but don't miss the potential for the future. It's a both and. Like you don't want to be so consumed with what went wrong that you can't enjoy the fact that, hey, God saved people. Like that was a great outreach. It worked. Praise the Lord. That was good. But nor do you want to just say, well, we had 15 things go wrong, but bless the Lord, some people got saved, so it's all worth it. What if it's a both end where you could celebrate it and evaluate it? One of the points from the last session was just stay in the game. Don't give up. Keep taking steps in the right direction. And if you will create a culture of evaluation to where you celebrate and evaluate, you capture your wins, you capture your learns, and now you apply it next time. Now just stay in the game. 
Because now when you go to do the outreach the next time around, you've got a fresh swing at it, and you can apply everything that you learned to make it even better. When something does not work, do you know why? When something does work, do you know why? If you don't know why it worked or why it didn't, you cannot repeat it or avoid it in the future. If something does not work, be diligent enough to track down the breakdown. Why did this fundraiser not go the way that we wanted to? Why did students not show up? I don't know. I guess it was a bad idea. We shouldn't. Track down the breakdown. Don't guess. Get good intel that can serve you for moving forward. If you can't track down the breakdown, you cannot fix it. So you want to celebrate and evaluate. Celebrate what you want repeated. Celebrate it. Draw attention to it. Value it. Throw a party over it. Clap for it. If you have a leader on the team who invites one of their friends to come and join the team, highlight that, not only welcoming the person to the team, but celebrating the fact that this person on the team was a recruiter, was a bringer, and invite, hey, that's so cool. If we all did that, we would double our volunteer team right here. Like, celebrate that. Draw attention to it. See areas that need to grow as learns rather than losses. Don't allow your losses to discourage you or defeat you. Just learn from them. On the ministry improvement side of things, I just want you to know that your ministry can get better and better and better each year if you'll just apply what you're learning. I'm not talking about yourself or your team having a critical spirit. Listen, you can have a critical eye without having a critical spirit. You can train your eye to be a discerning eye. You're so used to your youth meeting space to where you don't even see how lousy it looks at times. I'm just speaking the truth in love. All right, I've never been to your youth ministry, so yours is probably the exception. Yours is probably amazing. But for a lot of youth meeting spaces, you come in, you're so used to seeing it, you don't even have fresh eyes enough to look objectively. And so if you have people around you who just know we're constantly looking to improve, not perfection, improvement. Doesn't have to be a perfect youth ministry. I don't have to be a perfect youth leader. But I want us all to have this culture of how can this night be better? How could our room be better? How could this presentation be more clear? If you'll cultivate that, now it's not limited to your own set of eyes, but you've got a team and a student ministry that values that. Well, I'm going to wrap up. We have about two minutes or so just in case there's something that you needed uh, clarified on this. And I'll also hang around afterwards just to... Uh, share those resources for anybody who would want to have those, those websites uh, that I mentioned. But the final thing that I would say is here's what I do personally. And because I just want to know everything that I just spoke on today, it comes out of my heart. Like there are so many things that flood my mind when I think of what would I speak to youth leaders. You heard, if you were in the last session, what I accentuated on in terms of your walk with the Lord. And then the practical pieces on that fell underneath that. And in this session, I would just say of all the things that I could speak on, I think this would be my greatest gift to you is just keep moving, keep growing, keep getting a little better as a leader and as a ministry, and you'll see it pay off. So one of the things that I do is I send just to a few close friends, it'd just be maybe, maybe uh, depending on the season, maybe two, three, or four people, I send them this, this 10 question uh, uh, this questionnaire, just 10 questions, ask them to speak into my life. And I just say, if you love me, you'll answer honestly. If you don't, then just try and affirm me. Just try and be nice. But what you're really saying is you don't love me enough to speak the truth. But would you answer these questions? 
And I have questions on there that just would say things like, am I, when I'm speaking, can you talk to me about what stands out to you? Uh, as a friend, do you feel like I care more about you as a friend or just as a leader on the team? Uh, do you, how, how do you view me as a dad? What are you seeing in me as a dad that you think I better have my eyes open to? When you see me interact with my wife, are there things that jump out that you'd say, Scotty might want to give attention to this? Just my sense of humor. Is it honoring to God? Is it fun? Is, or is it tearing people down? Do you feel like I'm, I'm laughing at somebody else's expense to make me feel a little tougher, a little cool? Like, I just ask questions like that because I'm saying I'm not waiting on it. I'm asking for it. So that was the last little tidbit. We're out of time.